Hey everyone, today's sponsor is the Gorilla Group over at Getting Clients Without Being Salesy. You can sign up for that group on Facebook. Just search for it in the search bar and uh, you'll find a group led by Landon Porter and some amazing people who refer to themselves as the Gorillas, uh, an amazing group that I've been a part of for quite a while. And they just recently launched a podcast. So if you go to sales, thesalesgorilla.com slash podcast, you can find that show. They will give you all of this great, amazing information about how to start a sales conversation, how to qualify your clients effectively, how to develop your ICA, your ideal client avatar, and sign up for their workbook and uh, learn how to speak and learn and think like your client so you can effectively communicate with them and really make the sales part the easiest part of what it is that you're trying to do. So go sign up at thesalesgorilla.com slash podcast. Hey everybody, Cino here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like Dr. Evil, worth one million dollars. Hmm, not really, I wish. But that's the plan. Uh, maybe not a million, that's a little unrealistic. But, you know, like a few hundred would be cool. I don't know. I don't know what this show is going to eventually be worth. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm just going to keep making it and see if it becomes more of a thing. That's the plan. Um, today on the show, we are talking all about evil because it's Halloween. Spooky Halloween. I don't. I don't know. Do I have like an evil voice that I can? Uh, spooky Halloween. Spooky Halloween. Spooky. That's kind of Gollumish. Halloween. My grindy. So we're gonna talk all about evil today. Philosophy. And religion and all sorts of things. What is evil? Who is good? Is anyone good? I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to be good. We need to figure this out and find out if it's the ring that makes me evil. Or if it's just because I'm a person. So <laughs> we're going to talk all about that today on Dopamine. Let's go. Drums, please. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Halloween episode. Ah, I don't know what the voice that was, <laughs> but it's my favorite. I'm going to use it from now on. Welcome to dopamine. It's kind of just like an like a old man, not really like a scary thing. It's just like I need my glasses. It's it's a good time. Today on the show, <laughs> happy Halloween, by the way. Uh, I hope you have some plans. Uh, you're going to enjoy the holiday because it's my personal favorite holiday. I love it for multiple reasons. Because it's in the fall, which is my favorite season. But then also, um, there's just like unabashed joy of people just having so much fun, like dressing up. And, and there's like this sense of community. And everyone is like being all sorts of like happy and jolly and having a good time. There's candy, you know, and um, everyone just kind of lets go. And I think I appreciate that. And it's like, there's an embracing of darkness and evil and like the, the other aspects of humanity that we don't touch anywhere near enough. You know, Halloween 
I, I think Halloween should be expanded to all of October. And I think I've seen the seeds of that this month. Like people are just like October 1st, it's Halloween, right? I would love to celebrate Halloween the entire month. I wanted to do it this year, but like money hasn't really allowed us to like decorate and, and really embrace it in our space. So um, I think we're going to transfer that energy into Christmas and try to embrace it embrace that as well, which is the total opposite, which actually Christmas kind of drives me nuts, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, but I love Halloween because like we kind of embrace these, these feelings of like, you know, uh, human capability when we like watch horror movies and, um, you know, dress up as like creatures or fun things or whatever. It's just like, you get to kind of learn the, you know, the inner imaginations of people come out and I really love that. I think that is uh, my favorite aspect of Halloween. It's just like people just are sharing who they are and really putting themselves out there. And that, that kind of leads me to today's concept. Um, I wanted to talk about evil and what does that really mean? And how does that relate to people? Like, how does it relate to everyone in everyday life, right? And how does that relate to mental health? Because there are all sorts of perceptions of what evil is. And I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, well, we'll kind of Tarantino this because I think my end sort of verdict about evil is that it's all about perception. It's that humans, you know, whether or not you want to take religion into account, which we'll talk about at some point, because I have like Wikipedia stuff pulled up that is really fascinating. Um, that uh, evil in itself is all about perception. It's like, because usually the person that is performing the evil is not seeing it as evil in the moment, right? They are, they are acting upon something that has been, that has happened to them or something that they've like kind of bubbled up or, or there, there's something that has, there's some result of aspects of life that has led to this moment, right? Like I don't believe anyone's born inherently evil. And some would argue that even psychopaths are not that because there's, uh, there are, proven studies that, that, that it's about brain wiring and that there is something going on that is removing emotion from the equation and empathy and all of that stuff. Right. Because like cognitively psychopaths are capable of understanding someone's motives and understanding, um, you know, the usage of, of, of emotions and all of that stuff, but they don't have the ability to put themselves into someone else's perspective, which I think would be like a clear definition of what evil might be. But at the same time, like this person who is a psychopath does not have the choice to be a psychopath, right? They're not born with that choice. So does that make them inherently evil? Are they born an evil person? Because even a psychopath is not someone that is like, they have tendencies to commit violent acts, but there's no guarantee that that's going to be the case. Right. Um, you know, we, we hear psychopaths as like, you know, serial killers and, and people that are in horror movies and stuff. And, and they are like, you know, really, it, they can be seemingly like frightening per people to be around, but it doesn't mean that they are, going to be violent. Um, as far as I know, I, again, I'm not, I'm not a thousand percent. Um, they have, they have probably a higher violence tendency than most human beings. Right. So, um, again, not a psychologist here, so don't take my word, you know, grain of salt and all that stuff. So go look it up yourself, um, to be sure. But as far as I know, um, the definition of psychopath, like because of the brain wiring aspect, does that make them evil? 
or does that make the acts that they commit evil, right? And even the acts that they commit would be evil in relation to what is socially acceptable. Because there have been times in society, in all of human history, where like there have been one side of a big ordeal where killing was part of like their society, and they might not have seen killing as a bad thing, right? Uh, or or rape or murder of any kind of that sort of stuff. They might ha- not have seen that as a bad thing. So does that make them objectively evil? I don't know, because who is in charge of objective evil, <laughs> right? It gets into the, like, this this sort of meta thing, right? Where you start to think of like, you know, what actually is evil. Um, and I think that gets tricky when we don't know for sure a source of creation or power, or if there's sentience involved in that, right? If there is a evil designation, you know, because one of the things that I read is that like a good point was brought up that like a snake has venom and because the snake has venom, does that make the snake evil? And then the snake biting someone in defense of itself, does that make that evil or a snake killing a rat for its consumption? Does that make it evil? Right. And and like a man will view a snake as evil because it's dangerous to him. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the snake itself is evil. Same way with like a lot of human to human interaction, especially like there's like the me too movement and all of this stuff. There's the perception that there's a, a lot of men who are um, culturally it's been, accepted in their perception in the male perception in that that powerful male perception that they have the right or the ability or the power or whatever to touch a woman or to to have her essentially and uh society only until recently has it started to become more normalized as or starting to it's we're very much in the process starting to become normalized in the sense of like that's an evil act right trying to force yourself onto a woman, like many would say that, yes, of course, rape is like uh, uh, an evil act, but that's not always been the case. That's not always been the perception, always the perception from the victim, but not always from the case of like a group of men or them or, or a society of men or whatever, right? The men see it as like, this is my biological need to spread my seed and to do this. They're, they have an, uh, an inherent push to do this. So does that make them an evil or does it make the act evil? Like th- it's really tricky, right? And I'm not, th- this is not me apologizing or defending anything like that because I, I see it as evil. Absolutely see it as evil. But uh, it, it's from the macro big picture perspective. It's just kind of an example of like, what do we consider to actually be evil? Is it, I mean, is evil an inherent you know, existing, you know, all encompassing thing. Like if humans didn't exist and we didn't have the level of sentience that we have, you know, do creatures see other creatures as evil or just scary? Right. Um, Because there is a difference. And um, does evil inherently exist in the universe in other places? You know, if there are other sentient beings, is there, uh, do they also experience a version of evil and good? Right. And I find that evil is often pushed by some sort of natural tendency or natural um, a natural urge or something that is happening to someone, right? Because like we're born into a world where we, we don't have our hormones raging. We don't have a lot of stuff going on. And then 
chemicals change in our body. Um, you know, the way that our parents talk to us changes, the way that our family changes, uh, the way that the, the people that we come across changes, our environment's always different, things like that. And some would argue that evil is a culmination of all of these things that, that, that culminates into an act. And I think, I think some of the most evil people genuinely are those that will continue to commit acts, even though they know it is wrong, right? Even though they know that it is socially wrong, right? And again, it's like, it's a matter of like even determining what that means. Um, because again, like you can think of like Adolf Hitler, for example, he is probably uh, the personification of evil uh, in the last hundred years. Right. And he has, but he, even he didn't feel like he was wrong. He didn't feel like what he was doing. He likely didn't feel like what he was doing was wrong. Right. So does that make him evil objectively? I think subjectively, yes, we all agree that he is evil, that what he did was terrible, that, that we shouldn't do that stuff. But at the same time, you know, uh, Americans cheered at the death of Osama bin Laden and we've cheered at the death of, of Adolf Hitler. So because it's us doing it, it's not evil. And because it's in self-defense or, or in defense against an evil, it's a good versus evil. It negates the act, right? It's confusing, right? <laughs> it's really kind of messy and it kind of messes with your head. Uh, I, like, I think it's really interesting, right? So like on that day, I know when, when that day happened, when Osama bin Laden was, was uh, assassinated, was taken out, um, you know, I just heard everyone on the internet, like cheering with vengeance, right? <laughs> and uh, um, while on one hand, it's like, yes, he did a lot of terrible things and he had a really bad um, path and there were a lot of things going on that um led to death of americans and and you know we felt like justice was needed correct so the idea there is that we took an evil and we met it with evil so therefore it negated all of the evil right or or that our lesser act of evil meaning our lesser act of destroying this source of evil that would continue to make more evil you know um you know our, our act was not bad because it was in service of destroying evil but even though the act in a vacuum would be considered evil right so like it gets really tricky so it's hard for it was hard for me on that day to celebrate like okay i get the reason that everyone is like all up in arms and just like yes this person's taken out they can no longer commit evil but it's like you're still cheering for the death of a human being that's kind of sad that's incredibly sad right no matter who it is i think that's incredibly sad so it's really tricky to, you know, to sort of create these lines of good and evil because it's all subjective because I would see a lot of my friends who were cheering the death of someone as exhibiting a sense of evil. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and even like embracing some semblance of evil in your life, I don't think is bad. Like going into the darkness of life. I don't mean committing acts of evil. I don't mean like murdering or plundering or anything like that. Right. But I mean like, diving into the depths of your humanity because we're often covering that up based on like our religious experience. Like, like we have a lot of, um, a lot of morality baked in society in other people, right? Like our personal morality would be probably a lot more primitive and a lot more black and white. And we probably wouldn't think about morality as much if it did not serve the purpose of society or ourselves within society. Right. So, like that, that in itself is really fascinating to me <laughs> because like, 
are we actually good people if we were on our own, you know, like within a, a small semblance of, of community? Would we still be that? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Right. So it's, it's really tough to ask these questions because like a lot of us are really like, they're not thinking like I am in terms of like trying to deconstruct all of this stuff. So if I were to go ask someone the question to be like, yeah, of course I'm a good person. Right. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of push and pull against being a good person. Um, and, and oh, by the way, before I go on, I'm going to split this episode because Anchor now allows me to split it into two. So I can just kind of like go in and just cut and just throw in the um, the ad. So that's what's going to happen on this episode, by the way. So just just before I before I keep rambling. So yeah, so a lot of my friends will consider themselves good and get into a place where like everyone is very concerned with being perceived as good, right? And I think that's a lot of the argument going on within social justice, right, these days, is that, like, we're concerned, we're like, there's a lot of finger pointing, like, one side thinks the other one's evil, and the other side thinks the other one's evil for doing all sorts of things, like, you know, like, one side thinks that people are evil for aborting babies and killing killing fetuses, right? And then the other side thinks that the other is evil for wanting to eliminate transgender as an actual you know, classified uh, gender, right? So like a lot of this is all about uh, perception and, um, you know, worldview. And a lot of that is based on religion and personal views and things that we have all grown up and, and, and become, you know, based on our uh, location, time of birth, you know, like where we are in society, uh, our social status, all of that stuff. Right. And it's like, it's all this mishmash of craziness that creates one side versus the other. And it doesn't like objectively what is correct. I don't, I don't really know. Right. I, I think objectively, I think we all want to get to a place where like everyone is, I almost, I personally think that like, you know, good creates evil. Right. <laughs> and the, the concept of good being a good person that my morals, my religion, my way of being is good. Therefore other things are bad. Like good creates evil. So I honestly feel like the best way to get rid of evil is to also get rid of good, the perception of good. But how do you do that? What does it actually mean? Right. <laughs> that's such a, uh, you know, it's getting all sort of meta here, but that's the way that I think about things. So I guess I'm just being open and sharing with you that, um, you know, and, and kind of letting go of, I, I think what that actually means is letting go of us being correct and someone else being wrong. And again, that's more of like the extremes, right? But it's hard because like that's baked into who we are naturally as human beings. So again, does that make us good or evil naturally? I don't know. I think at the end of the day, we're just trying to protect ours, right? Like I'm just trying to get mine. <laughs> I'm trying to get it in. I'm trying to get some food. I'm trying to get some shelter. I'm trying to make things happen that protect me and my livelihood and give me the best opportunity for reproduction to give me the best opportunity for personal growth. And, um, be able to succeed and live and live the longest life possible to protect both my ego and then be able to take care of my children and stuff like that. Right. Like that is the primitive, like actual source of like what it is that we're all trying to achieve as people. And, you know, uh, <laughs> like, I think, I think if you were to poll every single human being on the earth, they would say that they're good. Right. But there are, if you ask about other people, they would have a list, a laundry list of people that they would say that they're bad, right? So I think that's incredibly fascinating that it's all about perception. And, uh, you know, perception, all of it leads to to mental health because a lot of 
um, there's a lot of negative perception about mental health that like that, that certain that people dealing with mental health can be inherently evil or anyone not normal is like inherently evil. Right. And, and that's like a massive challenge to actually navigate through because again, it's all about perception, you know, just because this person is weird, they're different. Um, they're, they're someone that is like a little bit off compared to what it is that we're used to that they, their intentions must be bad or that they, they don't fit my worldview. So they must be bad. Right. It's, it's really complicated, um, to think about it. And I, I honestly think like the concept of good and evil is, um, I think it's, I think it's healthy in a way that keeps us, you know, naturally protected and defensive, defensive, right? Because like, I have to assume that if someone is walking towards me at an abnormal speed, I have to assume that they have evil intentions towards me and I have to protect myself, right? Because this stuff exists in the world. People just, people are, again, at different aspects of their human development and societal uh, uh, mental health and all sorts of different things like that lead them to that moment when they're on the street and they're walking towards and attempting to attack someone, whether they're trying to get some sort of mental high of actually hurting the person or get, uh, like stealing their stuff or, um, you know, uh, sexually assaulting someone like in, in reference to them feeling like they, they need some sort of validation uh, of manhood or something like that. Right. Um, and again, these are not excuses. These are not things that I'm saying are like apologies, but these are just like reasons, right? These are things that people are feeling, uh, perspectively in the moment of what it is that they're trying to achieve or what is propelling them to do these evil things, these things that are at least perceived as evil. And, um, you know, and at one point, like, is the person who has committed that act no longer evil, right? Like we think about incarceration and people that are in jail and we tend to basically, you know, someone could go their entire life. They could go 33 years and then not have any real thoughts of having any kind of evil intentions, right? And then they have just like a cavalcade of bad things happen to them and, they commit a terrible act. You know, they hurt someone, they kill someone, they do something terrible. Um, and, or they just rob and steal and something that is seen societally is not as evil. Um, and they end up put in jail and they get put in jail for a very long time. Um, but they don't get any kind of rehabilitation. They don't typically get any kind of ability or opportunity to correct, to self-correct. There's no again, they're just kind of bundled into other evils and other criminals. There's no individual context, which I think is, again, what I'm trying to say when I'm removing good from evil, right? If we, in order to remove evil, we have to remove good because the perception of good is also a group think kind of thing, right? And I think the answer lies in individualism, that if we can treat someone like an individual, learn their individual story, nurture them based on that individual story, we'll have a greater chance of being able to reintroduce someone effectively into society. Because someone that has, you know, someone in that context of having just a cavalcade of shit happen to them uh, over and over and over again, that uh, leads them to make the choice they absolutely made an evil choice to do something bad. Um, 
or, you know, it could have triggered a mental health thing that they've never experienced before. Think of it as like the X, X gene and X-Men being like unlocked. And they just had this outburst of chemical feelings that they didn't know what to do with. And it led them to do something terrible, right? Like either one or the other, whether it's choice or whether it was cognitive stuff, like who gives us the right to rob this person to rob anyone who gives this person to rob any other person of their life, but who gets to rob who, who as a society get, gives us the, the permission to rob a person who committed an evil act, um, you know, in 1% of their life to rob them of the rest of their entire life. Right. Like to, to not give them the opportunity at minimum to grow and develop and um, get into a place that, that is at least, you know, uh, getting them back onto a, a quote unquote normal path. Right. And, you know, that gets tricky when it comes to like political stuff and money and who's going to pay for it and who's going to do it and all of that stuff. That's not what this is all about. This is just like kind of asking questions like that. Like, um, like, like who are we as society as a society to determine what's evil and who are we as a society to bundle some types of evil with other types of evil and ignore the development of evil into good. Right. And, and seeing, you know, defining evil as something that was inherent in that person, their entire life and will be inherent in that person for the rest of their life. Or if it was a moment that went poorly and their life is over. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's just a really tricky thing to talk about. And, um, because I'm not talking about it from giving my like per opinion, you know, this is me saying like, um, what I see and trying to share, um, sort of like just questions, you know? So I want to read a little bit and this episode is going along because I wanted to, <laughs> um, actually, you know, before I read this, I'm going to just kind of manually take a break and we'll play the ad and then we'll go ahead and read the second half of some of this stuff. All right. And we're back. Um, so maybe the second half will be a little bit shorter, but I wanted to talk about the perception of evil, um, in religions, um, as well, and, uh, kind of read some of what's going on within, um, so there's like philosophy, psychology, there's Carl Jung talks about all sorts of stuff. There's Frederick Nietzsche, uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. I think you say his name is Nietzsche. Um, and all sorts of philosophical questions. So I'm going to read a little bit about the religion aspect and some philosophical questions. Cause I think, um, there's, uh, some interesting information in there, but I think on Wikipedia as well, I will just kind of read the, um, the sort of definition of evil, because I think that's really interesting on its own. So evil in a general sense is the opposite of ap or absence of good. It can be extremely broad, uh, an extremely broad concept though in every day usage it is often used more narrowly to denote profound wickedness, wickedness. It is uh, generally seen as taking a multiple possible forms, such as the form of personal moral evil commonly associated with the word or impersonal natural evil, as is the case, um, as in the case of natural disasters or illnesses, and in religious thought, the form of the demonic or supernatural slash e eternal uh, evil can denote profound immortality, but uh, typically not without some basis in the understanding of hum the human condition, where strife and suffering (Hinduism) uh, are uh, the roots of evil, which is yeah, it's a Hindu Hindu sort of thing. Um, 
In certain religious contexts, evil has been described as a supernatural force, as defined in philosophy, and can be the name of the psycho- for the psycho- uh, psychology and instinct of individuals, which selfishly but not often necess- necessarily defends the personal boundary against deadly attacks and serious threats. Definitions of evil vary, as does the analysis of its motives. Elements that are commonly associated with personal forms of evil involve unbalanced behavior involving anger, re- revenge, fear, hatred, psychological trauma, expediency, selfishness, ignorance, and or neglect. Evil is sometimes perceived as the dualistic, antagonistic, binary opposite to good, in which good should prevail and evil should be defeated. In In cultures with Buddhist spiritual influence, both good and evil are, are perceived as part of a antagonistic duality that itself must be overcome through achieving nirvana. I guess I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> the philosophical questions regarding good and evil are sub- subsumed into three major areas of study. Meta-ethics concerning the nature of good and evil, normative ethics concerning how we ought to behave, and applied ethics concerning particular morals and moral issues. While the term is applied to events and conditions without agency, the forms of evil addressed in this per, in this article um, presume an evildoer or doers. Some religions and philosophy deny evil's existence and usefulness in describing people. So I'm going to kind of scroll down here to some of the uh, religion stuff, because I think religion's perception of evil is it kind of paints a lot of people's perceptions of evil, right? Whatever religion or faith that you fall into, it's um, typically how you pursue, perceive evil. And it's really interesting because even within varying within religions, there are varying perspectives on what evil is. So um, we're going to start with the first little statement here, which talks about the problem of evil and source. Most monotheistic religions posit that the singular God is all powerful, all knowing and completely good. The problem of evil asks how the apparent contradiction of these properties and observed existence of evil in the world might be resolved. Scholars have examined the question of suffering caused by and in humans and animals suffered caused by nature, like storms and disease. These religions tend to attribute the source of evil to something other than God, such as demonic beings and or human disobedience. Polytheistic and non-theistic theistic religion, religions do not have such a uh, an apparent contradiction, but many seek to explain or identify the source of evil or suffering. These include concepts of evil as a necessary balancing or enabling force, a consequence of past deeds, uh, karma, or an, as an illusion possibly produced by ignorance or failure to achieve enlightenment. Non-religious atheism generally accepts evil acts as a feature of human actions arising from intelligent brains shaped by evolution and suffering from nature as a result of complex natural systems simply following physical laws. Which is kind of a lot of what I was talking about, um, about kind of just simply following sort of like our physical needs and desires and all of that stuff. I, I guess I'm falling into a type <laughs> and I don't really realize it, but um, I, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think of myself as like any, I don't follow a religion and I don't even consider myself atheist. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to marry a lot of different religious perspectives, but at the end of the day, it's all my perspective. And that's kind of where I, I kind of land is like, I, uh, what I think is what I think, right? (laughs) So uh, we're going to start with the Baha'i faith, Baha'i faith. 
the Baha'i faith uh, asserts that evil is non-existent and that it is a concept reflecting lack of good. Just as cold is the state of no heat, darkness is the state of no light. Forgetfulness is the, the forget, forgetfulness, the lacking of memory, ignorance, the lacking of knowledge. All of these states are lacking and have no real existence. Thus, evil does not exist and is relative to man. Abdul Baha, uh, son of the founder of the religion, in some answered uh, in some answered questions states, nevertheless, a doubt occurs to the mind. That is, scorpions and serpents are poisonous. Are they good or evil for they are existing beings? Yes, a scorpion is evil in relation to man. A serpent is evil in relation to man, but in relation to themselves, they are not evil for their poison is their weapon and by their sting, they defend themselves. Thus, evil is more of an intellectual concept than a true reality. Since God is good and upon creating uh, creation, he confirmed it by saying it is good. Genesis 131, evil cannot have a true reality, which kind of falls a little bit more into where I'm at, but either way, ah, come on, mouse, where are you? Okay. Ancient Egyptian religion. Evil in the religion of ancient Egypt is known as isfet, uh, disorder slash violence. It is the opposite of mat uh, slash, uh, which stands for order and embodied by the serpent uh, god Apep, uh, who routinely attempts to kill the sun god Ra and is stopped by nearly every other deity. Isfet is not a primordial force, but the consequence of free will and an individual struggle against the non-existence embodied by Apep, as evidenced by the fact that it was born from Ra's umbilical cord instead of being recorded on, in the religion's creation myth. So... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about any of that. Um, that's a little bit more like Greek mythology-ish, I guess. But I don't know. What isn't? <laughs> Buddhism. Um, the, pri- uh, the primal duality in Buddhism is between suffering and enlightenment. So the good versus evil splitting has no direct analog in it. One may infer from the general teachings of the Buddha that the cataloged causes of suffering are what correspond in this belief system to evil. Um, practicality, uh, practically, this can refer to one, the selfish, the three selfish emotions, desire, hate, and delusion, and two, their, to their expression in physical and verbal actions. Um, <clears throat> and for more, see 10 unvirtuous actions in Buddha, Buddhism. Specifically, evil means whatever harms or obstructs the causes for happiness in this life, a better rebirth, liberation from samsara, samsara and the true and complete enlightenment of a Buddha. What is evil? Killing is evil. Lying is evil. This is a quote, by the way. Quote, um, what is evil? Killing is evil. Lying is evil. Slandering is evil. Abuse is evil. Gossip is evil. Envy is evil. Hatred is evil. To cling to false doctrine is evil. And all these things are evil. And what is the root of evil? Desire is the root of evil. Illusion is the root of evil. Uh, That is by... Gautama Siddhartha, Hartha, the founder of Buddhism, which is basically saying that everyone's evil because <laughs> everyone does that. Uh, that's a bit much um, in my eyes, which I think is really interesting. Again, by the like the religious perspectives, is that there is a range, right? There's a range of moments being evil versus like we are all evil, right? And a lot of people are going to be very uncomfortable with thinking one way or the other. Um, Hinduism. In Hinduism, the concept of dharma or righteousness clearly divides the world into good and evil and clearly explains that wars have to be waged sometimes to establish and protect dharma. This war is called dharma yuda. 
the this division of good and evil is a is of major importance to both the Hindu epics of Ramayana and Mahabharata. This is hard. And the main emphasis in Hinduism is um, on bad action rather than bad people. In the Hulu holy text, Bhagavad Gita um, speaks of the balance of good and evil. When this balance goes off, divine incarnations come to help to restore this balance. Um, no comments there. Uh, Sikhism, the inher- the adherence to the core principle of spiritual evolution, the Sikh idea of evil changes depending on one's position on the path to liberation. At the beginning stages of spiritual growth, good and evil may seem neatly separated. Once one's spirit evolves to the point where it sees most clearly, the idea evil of evil vanishes and the truth is revealed. In his writings, Guru Arhan uh, explains that the because God is the source of all things, what we believe to be evil must too come from God. And because God is ultimately a source of absolute good, nothing truly evil can originate from God. Nevertheless, Sikhism, like many other religions, does incorporate a list of vices from which suffering, corruption, and abject negativity arise. These are known as the five thieves, called such due to their propensity to cloud the mind and lead one astray from the uh, prosecution of righteous action. These are um, attachment, greed, wrath, lust, and egotism. They have Sikh names, but I'm not reading them. Um, One who gives in... Uh, to the temptations of the five thieves is known as manmuk or someone who lives selfishly and without virtue. Inversely, the, uh, the gurmuk who thrive in their rev- reverence towards divine knowledge rise above vice via the practice of the high virtues of Sikhism. These are uh, selfless service to others and meditation upon the divine name. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um, the five thieves are fascinating. Attachment, greed, wrath, lust, and egotism. And, um, you know, I, I find this aspect of, like, the propensity to cloud the mind and lead one astray from perse- prosecution of righteous action. That makes me think that, like, I think evil is attached to the notion of something that, again, uh, kind of keeps people from from continuing to make more people, <laughs> right? Um you know, actions that will essentially lead to someone not finding an effective mate, someone who is not going to effectively make more people, raise more people and continue to spread those values, right? And it's not necessarily about not killing someone, but like killing someone means, ah, less people, (laughs) right? (laughs) Which is like, kind of hard to talk about. But at the same time, like, that's just kind of yeah, I, th- I think that's that's like the human primal sort of look at it is like, you're killing a person. We need that person. We need more people. We need humans. <laughs> we need, you need to reproduce um, that sort of stuff and and pass along our egos and, and our religion and all of the things that we've come up with, et cetera, right? So I find religion to be a culmination of egos, but that's going to be another podcast probably. (laughs) Let's talk about Islam. Um, We're getting to the big three next. (laughs) Islam, Judaism, why did I screw that up? And Christianity. Um, Christianity is the most interesting because I have the most experience with that. And I'm probably going to be the most cynical with that. So prepare yourself. Um, Islam, there is no concept of absolute, absolute evil in Islam as a fundamental universal principle that is independent from and equal with good in a dualistic sense. One should not, although the Quran mentions the biblical forbidden tree, it never refers to it as the f- tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
within Islam, it is considered essential to believe that all comes from God, whether it is perceived as good or bad by individuals. And things that are perceived as evil or, or bad are either natural events, natural disasters, or illnesses, or caused by humanity's free will. Much more the behavior of beings with free will, then they disobey God's orders, harming others or putting themselves over uh, God or others is considered to be evil. Evil doesn't necessarily, I guess I'm evil. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't put myself above God. I just don't believe he's real. Evil doesn't necessarily refer to evil as an ontological or moral category, but often to harm or as the intention and consequence of an action, but also to unlawful actions. Unproductive actions or those who do not produce benefits are also thought of as evil. A typical understanding of evil is reflected by Al-Ashash Ari, founder of uh, Asharism. According, um, accordingly, qualifying something as evil depends on the circumstances of the observer. An event or an action itself is neutral, but it receives its qualification by God. Since God is omnipotent and nothing can exist outside of God's power, God's will determine whether or not something is evil. So uh, it's interesting because like with Islam, uh, Ju Judaism, Judaism, and Christianity, we kind of get into a place of fear associated with evil and um, it gets real crazy with Christianity. So um, in Judaism, Judaism, I don't know why that's such a weird word to say Judaism. I know how it's supposed to sound. Evil is not real. It is per se, not part of God's creation, but comes into existence through man's bad actions. Human beings are responsible for their choices. And so to, so have the free will to choose good life of Olam Haba or bad death in heaven. Deuteronomy 28.20. Judaism, Judaism stresses obedience to God's 613 commandments of the written Torah. See also Tanaka, Tanakh and the collective body of Jew, Jewish religious laws expounded on in the Torah and Shulchan Arak. I'm, I'm tired of trying to pronounce this stuff. In Judaism, there is no prejudice in one's becoming good or evil at the time of birth, since full responsibility comes with uh with bar and bat mitzvah when jewish boys become 13 and girls become 12 years old so you're just blaming it on horny kids <laughs> you're blaming it on uh puberty puberty messes us up and again that kind of leads me back to this idea that like the impurity of human nature like all stems from our desire to reproduce I think that's true. The reproduction mixed with our egos and all of the stuff that culminates as a result of that, because it's no longer us just being kids playing with stuff and like occupying ourselves. And like we you were completely dependent and we're not worried about anything, but then like all the chemicals happen and we suddenly have this strive to like, okay, I need another person. I need to mate with someone. I need to find a person. I need to find my mate and um, find someone to reproduce with. And it gets complicated in the head, right? You're trying to eventually having to satisfy your ego and pass along your ego or eventually come to terms with the fact that you can't pass along your ego. You can only pass along your genes and then, <laughs> and then you go crazy and you die, right? <laughs> um, I don't mean to be reductive like that. There's a lot of beauty in between, but at the same time, it's, you know, the cause of a lot of chaos in our lives is like this natural desire to reproduce. Right. So, I mean, I think that's where that's at. Um, and then, you know, lastly, we'll talk about Christianity evil. According to a Christian worldview is any action, thought or attitude that is contrary to the character or will of God. That is a wide gamut. Um, 
This is shown through the law given in both the Old and New Testament. Um, there's no moral action given in the Bible with that is contrary to God's character or God's will. Therefore, evil is a Christian in a Christian worldview is contrasted by and in conflict with God's character or God's will. This evil shows itself through deviation from the character or will of God. That basically means if if you're not a believer, you're evil, uh, which is real messed up. Um, uh, and Christian theology draws its concept of evil from Old or and New Testaments. The Christian Bible exercises the dominant influence upon ideas and good and evil within the Western world. In the Old Testament, evil is understood to be an opposition to God as well as something unsuitable or inferior, such as the leader of the fallen sa- angels, Satan. In uh, the New Testament, or the, the Greek word poneros, is used to indicate unsuitability while kakos is used to refer to the opposition to God in the human realm. Officially, the Catholic Church extracts its understanding of evil from its canonical antiquity and the Dominican theologian Thomas Aquinas, who is some uh, Summa Theologica, defines evil as the absence or privation of good. French-American theologian Henry Blocker describes evil when viewed as a theological concept as an unjustifiable reality, and in common parlance, evil is something, quote-unquote, that occurs in the experience that ought not to be. In Mormonism, mortal life is viewed as a test of faith, where one's choices are central to the plan of salvation. Uh, evil that is that which keeps one from delivering or discovering the nature of God. It is believed that um, one must not choose to be evil to return to God. Christian God is, he's got quite the ego. <laughs> it's kind of weird to me. Um, I, I know I'm not seeing the whole picture and I know that there are people who are, uh, kind of scoffing at my reactions to this, but I've had a lot of experience with religion, with Catholicism, with Christianity, with people falling out of Christianity. And I think at the end of the day, I think there is a lot of unclear, behavior or unclear like lack of clarity as to what all of that actually means. I think it's easy for that. Basically what I just perceived is that for anyone who is not a follower of God to be evil, right? To, to not be in service of good because you are not following the specific word. It sounds like a dictatorship to me. And I think that's the problem I've always had because there's a lot of terminology with like servitude and submittal and like, that sounded horrible from when I was six years old until today. Right. Um, So I I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's really fascinating that Christianity is the most like seems the most tightly wound of them all in regards to evil. Christian science believes that Christian science, that seems weird. Christian science believes that evil arises from a misunderstanding of the goodness of nature, which is understood as being inherently perfect. If viewed from the correct spiritual perspective, misunderstanding God's reality leads to incorrect choices, which are termed evil. This has led to the rejection of any separate power being the source of evil or of God being the source of evil. Instead, the appearance of evil is the result of mistaken concept of good. Christian scientists argue that even the most evil person does not pursue evil for its own sake, but from the mistaken viewpoint that he or she will achieve some kind of good thereby. So that you'll achieve good outside of religion. Right. So I'm going to move on from that because that's making me angry. Um, <laughs> uh, questions of a universal definition. There's like a few more things I'm going to read here. I know this is a very long episode, but I, I, I think it's important. So I'm going to keep going. 
A fundamental question is whether there is a universal transcendent definition of evil or whether evil is determined by one's social or cultural background. C.S. Lewis says in The Abolition of Man, maintain that there uh, are certain acts that are universally considered evil, such as rape and murder. The numerous instances in which rape or murder is morally affected by social context call this into question. Up until the mid-19th century, the United States, along with many other countries, practiced forms of slavery. As is often the case, those transgressing moral transgressing moral boundaries stood to profit from that exercise. Arguably, slavery has always been the same and objectively evil, but men with a motivation to transgress transgress will justify that action. The Nazis during World War II considered genocide to be acceptable, as did the uh, the Hutu in inter interhamwe interahamwe in the Rwandan genocide. One might point out, though, that the actual perpetrators of those atrocities probably avoided calling their actions genocide, since the objective meaning of any act accurately describes that described by that word is wrongfully is is to wrongfully killed a, kill a selective group of people, which is an action that at least their victims understand will understand to be evil. Universalists consider it evil independent of culture and wholly st- related to the acts to acts and intents. Thus, while the ideological leaders of Nazism and the uh, Hutu Interahamwe accepted and considered it moral to commit genocide, the belief in genocide as fundamentally or universally evil holds that those who instigated the genocide are actually evil. Hitler considered it a moral duty, 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 duty to destroy Jews because he saw them as the root of all evil Uh, all of Germany's ills and the violence associated with communism. Osama bin Laden found it moral to kill all Christians and Jews because he saw Islam as under attack by Western and U.S. influence, accusing the U.S. and Israel of forming a crusader Zionist alliance to destroy Islam and considering U.S. troops in Saudi Arabia infidels in the land of Islam's two holiest sites. He therefore considered non-Muslims and Shiite Muslims are evil people intent on destroying Islamic purity and therefore heretic. Given his mixed record of efforts to give Cuban people free of charge healthcare and education, as well as opposing U.S. hegemony uh, in um, hegemony, hegemony, I don't even know how to say that word, in Latin America, while crushing all opposition and wrecking the Cuban economy, Fidel Castro saw himself as a Caribbean a Caribbean. Robin Hood, who considered the U.S. and capitalism evil, while Cuban-Americans, Cuban dissidents, and other communism-bashing people saw Castro as the personification of evil in the late 20th century Cuban and Latin American history, viewing his Castroistic Castroic ideology as just as evil as any other form of communism and bashing him for locking up dissidents and killing innocents by firing squads while creating mayhem in the developing world by working to foment violent communist revolutions in the Americas and many African countries. So um, basically all of that kind of stems to what I was talking about before, like the idea that like, you know, these basically these few cases are of people who have created heinous acts, like mass culturally accepted acts of, of evil essentially. But these people have perceptions. They have these perspectives of what they were doing was correct for what that, what it is that needed to be done, right. To protect their ego, to, to protect their ego, their livelihood, their religion, um, 
it, it's it's um, like a to them it was seen as a mass level of self defense. So is that objectively evil? I, I mean, I think again, I agree that it's evil. I think those are all terrible acts, and I think there is no amount of justification that can allow someone to be killing people and doing something to that effect. But objectively, I, I just don't know. Like if if there is a if there is an absolute law that is not just a culmination of multiple religions, but an absolute law of the universe that says this is evil and punishable by some external force like karma or something, then that would be the case. But as it stands, it is all about perceptions of humans and how humans view um, the value of murder, essentially. <clears throat> all right. So there is... One more thing I want to read about the usefulness of the term evil. So this is the, this is the final thing. <laughs> I apologize. This is a long episode, but I think it's really interesting. So I don't know. I'll, I'll stick around and see uh, how many people like this sort of thing. Cause like philosophy and psychology is all my jam. So, but, uh, um, and since it's Halloween, I think talking about evil is appropriate. So, um, usefulness as a term, um, one school of thought that holds that no person is evil and that only acts may be properly considered evil. Psychologist and me mediator Marshall Rosenberg claims that the root of violence is the very concept of evil or badness. When we label someone as bad or evil, Rosenbaum claims it invokes the desire to punish or inflict pain. It also makes it easy for us to turn off our feelings towards the person we are harming. He cites the use of language in Nazi Germany as being a key to how German people were able to do the, do things to other human beings as they normally would not do. He links the concept of evil to our judicial system, which seeks to create justice via punishment, punitive justice, punishing acts that are seen as bad or wrong. He contrasts that approach, this approach with what he found in cultures, which, um, <clears throat> where the idea of evil was non-existent in such cultures. When someone harms another person, they are believed to be out of harmony with themselves and their community uh, are seen as sick or ill and measures are taken to restore them to a sense of harmonious relations with themselves or others, which is kind of what I was talking about. Psychologist Albert Ellis agrees in his, um, in his school of psychology called rational emotive behavioral therapy or REBT, he says the root of anger and the desire to harm someone is almost always related to variations of implicit or explicit philosophical beliefs about other human beings. He further claims that without holding variants of those covert or overt belief and assumptions, the tendency to resort to violence in most cases is less likely. American psychiatrist M. Scott Peck, on the other hand, describes evil as militant ignorance. The original Judeo-Christian concept of sin is a process that leads one to miss the mark and not achieve perfection. Peck argues that while most people are conscious of at least on some level, um, those that are evil actively and militantly refuse the consciousness. Peck describes evil as malignant type of self-righteousness, which resolves, results in a projection of evil onto selected specific innocent victims, often children or other people in relatively powerless positions. Peck considers those calls of um, th those he calls evil to be attempting to escape and hide from their own conscience and through self-deception and views this as being quite distinct from the apparent absence of conscience, conscience evident in psychopaths. According to Pack, an evil person 
is consistently self-deceiving with the intent of avoiding guilt and maintaining a self-image of perfection, deceives others as a consequence of their own self-deception, psychologically projects his or her evils and sins onto very specific targets, scapegoating those targets while treating everyone else normally, quote-unquote, their insensitivity towards him was selective, uh, commonly hates with the pretense of love, for the purposes of self-deception as much as the deception of others, abuses political or emotional power, quote-unquote, the imposition of one's will upon others by overt or covert coercion, maintains a high level of respectability and lies incessantly in order to do so, is consistent with his or her sins, sins. (laughs) evil people will are defined not so much by the magnitude of their sins, but by their consistency or of destructiveness is unable to think from the viewpoint of their victim and has a covert intolerance to criticism and other forms of narcissistic injury. He also considers certain institutions uh, may be evil as he has his discussion of the My Lai massacre and its attempted its attempted cover up illustrate by this definition acts of criminal and state ter- terrorism would also be considered evil okay so there's a lot there i think at the end of the day i do agree with a lot of these things i think the persistence of coercion and deception and taking advantage of powerlessness and all of that would fit the definition of 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 the human perception of evil right I, I would agree with that. And I think, I think some of the problem though lies in the, again, the, the mass perception of what is evil, right? When you talk about like protections of like industries and states and things like that, like there are people within those, right? And giving a caricature to certain countries or religions or whatever kind of creates a broad picture. And this, what I essentially personally ascribe to is like, um, one of the things that I read a little bit early is that um, is that someone can uh, essentially be rehabilitated. Um, where where is it? Let me see if I can find it and read it again. Um, do, 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 do. Right in the in the cultures where evil was considered non-existent, um, someone when someone harms another person, they are believed to be out of harmony with themselves and their community are seen as sick or ill and measures are taken to restore them to a sense of harmonious relations with themselves and others. Um, you know, it depends on what those measures are. You know, there's a lot of uh, specific uh, things that need to be kind of laid out, but like, you know, you think about again, like Adolf Hitler and Genghis Khan and all of these things that like lead to mass deaths of people. I think those are the, the the pictures of of evil that we look like that we look at in humanity and society but we can also trace their individual story and learning through their individual story will help us mitigate and see the signs of when someone else is going to be approaching this sort of level of evil but again like evil is like a a two-sided thing, right? Like it's, it's sort of this subjective experience of like a lot of people would be calling Donald Trump and like the Republican uh, uh, side um, evil in a lot of ways. They would say that about Christianity. They would say that about people who believe that or whatever. Um, And the same would be true in the opposite side. You know, people who are just wanting to be uh, um, a little bit more open sexually or be, um, you know, those who are basically using, 
language and and all sorts of finger pointing, you know, they could be considered evil, right? Like it's it's all about perception. So it's really tricky. It's really crazy. But at the end of the day, it's like I think it's all about protecting ourselves, protecting our ego, protecting our personal interests, um, and uh, you know, having the greater greatest chances for reproduction. And I, I don't know. I think it gets really messy when we start thinking on a group level, but I understand that humans are just going to do that. That's what we do. We have to make assumptions about people to protect ourselves, to make judgments of others, to protect ourselves from the perception of that evil that we have towards them. Um, but I don't, I still subscribe to the idea that like, it's really hard to hate someone up close. So if you get the opportunity to learn someone's story, to be, uh, connected to people, you'll find that less people are are are, are nowhere near, near as evil as you think they are. Again, if you were to ask anyone in the world if they felt they were good people, they would probably say yes. Um, very few would people people would say no. They might say like, yeah, I'm kind of a jerk, but I don't know that they would call themselves evil, right? So it's a really interesting concept. It's really tricky. There's a lot here. I'm exhausted. I'm going to wrap this up. This has been a very long episode, um, but it's Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you guys. Uh, just a reminder in a week, there is the beginning of the boss project summit. So if you go to bit.ly slash C note summit, you can learn all about that summit and um, my keynote that I will be giving there and I'll be in the comments. So go sign up, go do the thing um, and get the pre-party pass. And um, I'll be in the comments for my keynote and be talking to you guys. So feel free to ask me questions and feel free to ask me questions about this podcast episode. Um, if you're following on anchor, please leave me a voice message or hit me up at let's go see notes on all my social channels. And uh, that's it. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later. All right. One of today's sponsors is my friend, Katie Schweitzer, who is a part of guilt-free families. And uh, she is just amazing at helping you learn all of the little things that you can think about when it comes to raising your children. A lot of us kind of go through sort of automated um, assumptions of what it takes to be a parent. And there are always things that we can do to, to improve uh, that process of being a parent and, and our perspectives and things that we instill in our children. And um, she specifically wants to help anyone who has children four plus months to toddler age, three or four years old, who is suffering from exhaustion, tired, can't focus on any kind of work because their children is not are, are not able to sleep uh, at bedtime. They're staying up very late and waking up many times during the night. So Kitty will provide them with unique plan for their children to optimize sleep for both the parent and the child. Uh, so go to uh, www.child-parent.com slash sleep, download the free sleep tips, um, thing and 
set up an appointment with her and she'll get you through it. She's the real deal. She's so good at it. So again, go to childparent.com, child-parent.com slash sleep and go check it out.